I'm Danny Valentino, and welcome to Crypto on the Beat, a podcast that explores the relationship between music and cryptocurrency. Every episode, we break down the latest news in the space and are joined by some of the players on the cutting edge of these new trends that are helping to reshape our world. This is Crypto on the Beat. Coming up on this episode of Crypto on the Beat, all the headlines making news in today's digital economy, plus my interview with Nick Dietrich, one half of the production duo The Disco Fries, who is very involved with several up-and-coming Web3 startups, including Record Shop, which offers interesting opportunities for fans and artists to collaborate on music. We want to have a trackable way for you to make a record. When you use parts from your record that were created by somebody else, they're going to get a micropayment every time that record sells and trades. And to me, that's fair. We'll get into all that and more in the full conversation coming up in just a bit. But first, let's get into some headlines. In massive news for the entire crypto industry, Google has announced it will start accepting crypto payments for cloud services early next year through a partnership with the popular exchange Coinbase. Blockchain technology and NFTs have become a bigger focus for Google over the past 18 months as the company continues to push for growth in the Web3 area. Many analysts are calling this new partnership a major validation for the entire crypto industry. Nominations are out for next month's MTV Europe Awards, and like the Video Music Awards here in America, there's a new category recognizing the best metaverse concert. BTS, Charlie XCX, and Justin Bieber are among the artists nominated for shows on platforms like Roblox and Minecraft. We'll find out who wins at this year's MTV EMAs, November 13th in Germany. And the Amsterdam dance event returns to the Netherlands later this week, and we'll see much of the dance music world heading across the pond for networking events, panel discussions, and, of course, some parties. Now, one of the more unique workshops will see Don Diablo, a previous guest on this show, hosting a conversation with a deep fake version of himself to explore the intricacies of deep fake tech and artificial intelligence. Sounds very interesting. Now, one thing is for sure, pretty soon we're going to have a hard time telling the difference between what's real and what isn't when it comes to technology. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Nick Dietrich, a man familiar to dance music fans as one half of the Disco Fries, but uh, also a lot more going on. Uh, he's running a record label. He's big into the esports. He's involved with NFTs and, and all sorts of Web3 stuff. Uh, Nick, welcome to Crypto on the Beat. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's great to see you again. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely been uh, too long. Now, before we dive into this, I just want you to give uh, the people a little bit of an idea, some background on you and uh, maybe how you first got into uh, crypto and Web3. Yeah, so it's, it's it all starts with music, right? So if I didn't have music, I wouldn't be able to do anything and I can't even hang a picture on the wall straight. So it's really the only <laughs> thing I can do. But a few years ago, after being in the music industry for a while, we had had some conversations actually with Tiesto, who push, pushed us to start a label. And off of that label, we were able to get into some different investments such as esports. Uh, we invested in FaZe Clan alongside Pitbull and Jimmy Iovine. We also invested in Xset, an up-and-coming esports team. And then uh, we got into crypto thanks to Blau. The name always comes up, but uh, appropriately so. So I had some conversations with Blau and he was like, start taking a serious look at what you're doing in the space and look at what I'm doing. And there's some other big players involved. So that was the whole start of it. 
Yeah, I, if I had a couple of bucks for every time I've had somebody tell me it all started with Blau, you know, it's incredible though. He is he's walking the walk and he's talking the talk because he's you know trying to spread the gospel. So this has all been in the past couple of years. We couldn't even uh, have been having this conversation, you know, five six years ago because this is all relatively new. But uh, we're also passionate about it. The market's obviously been extremely volatile, right? I mean, all time highs for uh, you know Bitcoin, Ethereum a year ago, nearly seventy thousand, and then people were going crazy, and now we're kind of you know well below that. If you will. Other coins, NFT valuations are down as well. I mean, does that stuff bother you when you look at the space or does it change your view at all? Or do you just like head down and power through? I'm head down and power through. I mean, we got into this because we're excited about the technology. Of course, I traded crypto before I knew about NFTs and it was fun and I I made plenty and I lost plenty. And I didn't really think of that uh, in the same light as I thought about the technology. Uh, once I started looking into the tech and I started discovering what platforms were being built, especially to help artists and make music valuable again, that's what really got me excited about what was going on in the space. And that's when I started investing in some of the companies in the space. As far as the speculative side of it, I don't even get caught up in the ebbs and flows of that. I mean, you could track back in history and look at how that happens in every industry, dot-com bubble and so on and so forth. So not a priority for me. I'm, I'm in build and invest mode now on this side of things, and, and we're really bullish on what's going on. Oftentimes, a lot of the best things come out of, I don't even know if you want to call it a bear market, but uh, you know these are times when the mainstream is maybe not paying as close attention, and these are when like some of the best ideas and the next wave of uh, you know this particular space, I think, is uh, really being built. You mentioned that you invest in startups, which I think is something fascinating. There's a million of these out there in the crypto space, right? So if I'm looking at these, like it can be a little overwhelming. Take me through a little bit your due diligence process. What do you look for in a project and, and what gives you an idea that, you know, this one is going to be legit? Well, maybe this one uh, won't be. Look, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball. So for I, I, of course, look at what the company is about, where they're going, what their ethos is, who built it the economics of it. But most importantly, it's kind of like a song. Like You could look at the whole structure of who made it and the components of it, but ultimately, like if it doesn't move you, it doesn't matter. So for me, the company itself, after I look at the big picture, has to move me. It has to excite me. What they're doing and where their roadmap is has to be in a direction that not only is exciting, but it aligns with what we're doing. So on the Disco Fries side and me personally, I wanted to connect to all the tentacles of the octopus of the things that we have going on. So when I invest in his company, I can put those two things together and ultimately they they can bolt onto each other or connect in some capacity and one can help the other one. That's always what I look at. Like how can this company that I'm investing in bolt on to the other ones that I'm already involved with and leverage each other? Right. So I think um, that's, that's the main thing. And as far as like the market goes, just to go back to that for a second, sure. I do think... One of the things people don't talk about a lot publicly with a a bear market is it shakes out a lot of bad actors and companies that might not necessarily be in it for the right reasons or just might not have something valuable to bring to market. And that's okay. Of course, there's unfortunate things that happen in those markets. People lose tons of money. Companies go out of business. Employees lose jobs. It's terrible. 
But if you if you want to look at the other side of it, that is the silver lining is that ultimately like it shakes out things that don't need to be there. It's like looking at a tree with dead leaves and dead branches. Once you get rid of those, the rest of the tree grows stronger. So I think that's kind of where we're at and what we're looking at. That's kind of well said. And it reminds me of the dot-com about 20 years ago. Everybody was very, you know, speculative about the internet. Um, 95% of those companies went belly up, but the ones that ended up sticking around, the Googles, the Yahoos, companies like that, look where we are 25 years later. The internet's a a part of our lives like we never would have imagined. And these companies are... uh, you know, kind of the flagship companies. I think with the NFT and with the with the crypto space, uh, you're going to see the same thing. That's a great point with the bad actors. I saw a story. Uh, I think it was this week how like you know 95, 90, 97 percent of NFTs uh, have ended up worthless. However. It's those three to five percent that are out there. Maybe it's a board ape, or maybe it's this new wave of NFTs that offer not just a monkey on a screen, but utility. That's the future of, of where we're going to be moving with that. And we'll talk a little bit more about what you've done in the space. And you, along with uh, with your partner, the Disco Fries, you've done some amazing things in the space. I want to get back to a couple of the companies that you invested in. Uh, Record Shop, for one, it's an NFT platform. You did a drop on there earlier this year. Uh, I think it's worth talking about. What do you love so much about this one? So Record Shop, I learned about before it launched. And uh, what was most exciting to me, was that they were embracing the idea of what NBA Top Shot does. For anybody who doesn't know what NBA Top Shot does, it's digital collectibles in an easy-to-digest package, really affordable, and those collectibles, as you collect them, one, could go up in value, two, you can get rarities, and three, on the music side, you can access things that otherwise might not be accessible through streaming or radio or traditional ways of gathering music. When they explained the concept to me pre-launch, I was like, this is super exciting. I I think for me uh, to bring our fans into Web3, this is going to be the way to do it. It's going to be a tough sell for me to sell an NFT for a thousand bucks, even 500 bucks to right. somebody who's a fan. But it's a very easy sell for me to say, here's a 10, $20 collectible. You'll get a pack of three exclusive records Or here's a deeper dive into records that already exist that we have rights to. Mm -hmm. And with that, you'll get access to a live event or you'll be able to do something creative with us. That was an easier explanation and an easier way for me to, to go out and say, this is why you should get behind this technology and get behind what we're doing here. So that all said, that's why I invested in Record Shop. And I'm super excited about what they've been building towards. And again, going back to like the ethos of the company, they're... The team is amazing there. Uh, They've been able to and willing to pivot during these times and even prior to like the the back end systems for artists is amazing. Uh, So I'm really excited about what's going on there. What you did there to me is a perfect example of the potential of Web3. You did something called Participate to create, right? So you teamed up with another artist, uh, Lena Leone, who's getting big in the dance universe. You jumped into a Discord chat with some lucky fans who won a contest, and you all completed a song together, which then got turned into a collectible NFT, and the fans who were involved actually got a co-production credit on the track. So, I mean, just take me through that. How did everything go, and what was it like working with some of your fans to complete a track. So our whole idea going into this space was let's do stuff that we think 
would be cool as a fan. So like Danny's a fan of Radiohead. I'm a fan of Metallica, Dr. Dre. Like when we were kids and, uh, you know, coming up with these artists, what would have excited us to do, but apply it to this space? So one of the things was, wouldn't it be dope to make a record with your favorite songwriter or artist? So we were like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. Uh, So the mechanism that we used through Record Shop was you had to have a certain collectible in your collection. If you had that collectible, you were automatically able to enter this Discord chat. Within the Discord chat, you could vote on parts of the song. Now, simultaneously, as the Discord chat was running, we had Twitch running the whole live stream of the event. So people could watch the event, comment on Twitch, but really the feedback we were paying attention to was in Discord, and we had that up on the screen so everybody watching on Twitch could see what was happening. So... Going into this, there was obviously some pre-production. Lena was fantastic. She wrote numerous top lines that worked over the instrumental that we could cut between. We came up with different synth parts. Danny was running the session. I was running the Discord. Lena was commenting on vocals. So, like, all three of us are live simultaneously. So, periodically, in Discord, I'd be like, do you like this verse or that verse? Like, we'd play the... A and B vocals. And the and fans I, could and the in fans real time could vote in real awesome. time. And then they'd be like, we want more cowbell throughout the whole record. <laughs> and we're like, well, executive decision. We're not putting it through the whole record, but we'll put it in this section. Uh, ultimately, by the way, we did go on to mint uh, a rare collectible that had cowbell in the whole record just so for the hell of it. Yeah. Um, but th- those were the types of things we did. And we did it over a few hour period. And I'd say 98% of the people involved had never seen music production done live, let alone be involved in the process. So one, super cool for them. Two, it was a really unique way for us to create a record. So on the artist side, do I think it's going to replace traditional studio production and going in and writing a record? Absolutely not. Do I think it's a really cool way for artists to get new ideas from their fans and create like just a new level of creation that's different? And and to deepen that relationship with your fans. Absolutely. Deepen the relationship and also do something that's artistically different to break up your flow and kind of think of just new ways to create. Uh, so we kind of did all of this and by far one of the coolest coolest experiences I've ever been a part What's of. What's the name of the track in case somebody wants to dig it up and listen to it? Won't be the same as the record. You could go on the secondary marketplace on Record Shop and grab it. Uh, it's there. I'm sure it's floating around on YouTube, but if you want to own it, that's that's where to go get it. I mean, this is so cool. We've heard Blau talk about this on a previous episode. Tycho was on recently talking about throwing the stems out to have his fans do a remix of a song. I mean, these are things that we never would have talked about years ago. And as a music fan, it, it kind of lifts the veil a little bit on the mystery that uh, goes behind music production. And to, to be a part of that, you know, especially with, with an artist that you support and are a fan of, I mean, that's really awesome. Yeah, one of our artist cards on Record Shop that was in our pack, uh, our pack was called Friends of Fries, and we've kind of developed this community now called The Fried Fam, uh, which for years we were like, what do we call our fans? Like, we want to get them together, and (laughs) first week in Record Shop, like, in the Discord, they're like, we bought all the cards, we're The Fried Fam, done. Now you're The Fried Fam, and it's official. So one of the cards, it was cool, like, Danny and I did tours of our home studios. By the way, his partner's name is Danny, just so there's no confusion with, that's not me. Danny (laughs) Vasolovic. Danny Valentino, two different people. Uh, So Danny, my partner, and I, we did these artist cards, which basically just toured our home studios and all the quirky things we have in there. But unless you came to my house and saw, like, my Batman collectibles and why I have certain art on the wall and, like, 
signatures from artists that you know I've that I was fans of growing up. Like that stuff that's like really personal to me that I love having in my studio. But unless you came to my house, you wouldn't know any of that exists. You don't see it when we do live streams or anything. So it was cool. We did like a full crib style MTV tour of our home studios, but it only lives on those cards. So unless you own those collectibles, you can't access any of that content. Right. That's the future of this stuff, offering utility, not just speculation. And uh, I want to talk about another company you just invested in, and this is one that really has a lot of buzz about it. Uh, it's called Arpeggi Labs. A lot of big names in the space attached to this one. We've talked about Blau. He's involved. Steve Aoki, also a leading voice in the space. He's involved. Wyclef Jean. And you guys didn't just invest in this company. You're actually like, you know, Big wigs, uh, you're going to be sitting on the board of this company. Uh, their mission statement essentially is a better way to make music, like next gen style music production. I mean, just tell us what we can expect from this company and what your hopes are. Yeah, I'll just give you some of the background on Arpeggi. Uh, when we were introduced to the product and what they were building, it immediately triggered a bunch of stuff that felt like it's been issues for us over the years. We're obviously users of sample banks and, and free samples that are out there, loops and so forth, but anybody could buy those loops. You could go buy the same loop that I bought, and there's no trackable system on how many of those loops are being used and who's using them. And also for the creator of that loop, there's no payment after that initial purchase. If that loop is used in a Grammy Award winning record that does a billion streams and that loop pack was purchased for $20, which that loop was a micro part of, sure. that creator will never earn another cent on that loop. To me, that's that's not a fair system in a lot of ways. Yes, I understand the industry is built that way. I understand that there's still a path for those things to exist. But I felt like that was a problem, and Arpeggi addressed it directly right up front. They said, we want to have a trackable way for you to make a record. When you use parts from your record that were created by somebody else, they're going to get a micropayment every time that record sells and trades. And to me, that's fair. Mm -hmm. I'm creating off of your work, and in turn, you're going to get a micropayment for the slice of work that you did as part of my production. So that's the ethos of how they're built. Um, and yes, we're doing an album there. We're doing a bunch of projects, and it's obviously something we're really passionate about. But I think it's a addressing a big production issue at the moment. And it's cool because it wasn't possible before Web3. You really couldn't do this in a meaningful way without it being super cumbersome. And just with old technology, it wouldn't have been doable to, to move into this space this way. And this is already live, right? I mean, this is not is. just an idea that we're being talked about. There's a website and you can actually already make use of this technology? Absolutely. And what's cool about it is uh, similar to like GarageBand or some of the entry level production tools that are out there, whether you're a super skilled producer who's been doing it for 30 years or you're a bedroom producer who just bought your first set of tools it's really easy to get started because there's loop, there's a loop bank there and it's all creative Commons, So you can use anything that's in that loop bank is usable within your record. Now, if I want to import my own audio and kind of do my own production, which is what we're going to do, I can mm -hmm. do that too. So they're really building out a really slick infrastructure. It looks great and um, it works really well. We're kicking the tires on it now. So these things are fascinating to people like you and me and other tech savvy people, forward thinking people, but they're still a big majority of the population that's not involved. How 
are we going to get past that? A buddy of mine who's very big into Web3 and crypto described it as boring plumbing <laughs> is what it's going to become. You don't really care how your credit card works. You just want to care that it works. You don't you don't want to get into the weeds of what transactions happening between what bank. That's going to be the same thing that happens here in time. Ultimately, there's going to be the tech savvy people like you and I who really want to be in the weeds and know what's going on and how to apply that tech to everything, because most people will just look at it at surface level, get what they want out of it. And that'll be that. I think it is something the younger demographic is probably going to have to, you know, pick up. And, 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 you know, as we go through the years, it will become more a part of their lives. But, you know, I think we do have, uh, you know, our work cut out for us in terms of, uh, you know, raising awareness. Absolutely. What I, the coolest stuff that I think is happening, because again, like my parents too, they don't fully understand it. They understand it better than they did six months ago before our drop, <laughs> now that they see what we're doing in the space. But uh, when I explain it, they're like, well, I can't touch it. I, I, it's a digital asset I can't touch. And I said, well, what if it was your favorite artist? I mean, dad loves the Beatles. What if the Beatles did a drop at the time that they were killing it? Mm -hmm. They were able to do a drop and you purchased a digital collectible, but connected to that, you got a concert ticket or maybe you got a signed piece of vinyl. And he's like, oh, that's kind of dope. And I'm like, yeah, that's essentially what's happening here. People who use it as a utility to then it's just a mechanism to access other things. Um, yeah, you could do it surface level where you just access music, but maybe that music's exclusive or they're drafts of records. We're exploring the idea of like, let's put out the draft of the song or the voice note of the song before it became a full-fledged record. And I think for super fans, that's really interesting. I agree. There's so much more utility. And I think for a lot of people, they just have to get past, you know, the idea of like, oh, Bitcoin is down 80%. Okay. But there's a lot of other stuff that's going on behind the scenes. And it's not just in music, you know, we're focusing on music, but it's happening in fashion. I went to uh, you know a talk during Fashion Week in New York a few weeks ago. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger out there talking about fashion in the metaverse, and this is something that they're thinking about. So the smart people, the innovative people, I, I think see the writing on the wall, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch over the next three to five years. Take us through where you think the music industry might be, uh, let's say, five to ten years down the road. I mean, are we going to be big with the metaverse concerts? Are we going to have NFT ticketing? Is that going to be a big part of what we do? Uh, you know, How much disruption do you think we're going to see in our industry? I think after all this bear market shakeout happens and like the overall market kind of corrects and, and things come back to like a flat line, basically, um, I don't think it's all going to happen at once. Like, I, I think you saw a massive bubble because one, everybody had time during COVID to think about these things and dive in, Great et cetera. Mm -hmm. But um, they all thought like the metaverse is happening tomorrow. These are things that take years to develop and get to scale. So yes, it will take five to 10 years, but I, I don't think it's that far off for you to start seeing digital music platforms start integrating ways to take a deeper dive into artists and have collectibles there on-site wallets, easy ways for people to buy NFTs with credit card. That's all happening already in the Web3 space, but when it starts to hit the bigger platforms and you're able to do that at a place that has 100 million users, mm -hmm. it's much different than it just happening in Web3. So again, like I don't know what's going to be the catalyst, 
of those things, but I love being involved in every side of it from the things that are easy to access from the consumer side, like a record shop where it's affordable and it's easy for somebody to go buy a collectible and exclusive music. I love being involved on the arpeggi side that's creator driven. Um, so, I, cause I think all of it is going to connect ultimately. And I'm trying to be part of that connection. The more I could put these companies together to grow, that's a win for everybody. Yeah, find this guy. He's he's involved. He's looking at the startups. He knows what's happening. Nick Dietrich from the Disco Fries. Great to have you here. Just uh, you know, a quick shout uh, to to your partner and what what can we look for from the Disco Fries here? You know, maybe musically, maybe you're gonna you know launch a, a new NFT platform. What are you guys working on over the next yeah, few months? So big shout out to Danny, who's home right now working on music, and I am here. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, really psyched. We're working on a new album right now, and very excited about it. And it's gonna be our first fully fledged out album that we're releasing independently on our label liftoff uh in partnership with label works in the uk so i'm really excited about that uh shout out to lena leon who just had a nice ad here at uh sirius xm bpm spiral uh, with spiral and uh yeah just doing a ton of production and of course we we launched our uh site finishmytrack.com during covid and doing a ton of mastering and mixing and production so i'm juggling a lot of balls but you know staying busy and and most importantly like it's all exciting stuff that uh that keeps me busy so when one thing feels a little redundant i just jump over to something else one of the people that's helping to move the scene forward and he's also an expert gardener on the side you can check his socials for details on that and we may have to chat because i'm trying to get into that a bit myself nick dietry from the disco fries thanks for the conversation and uh look forward to uh seeing what you guys are working on next thanks so much danny appreciate the support that was my conversation with Nick Dietrich of the Disco Fries, who definitely has his finger on the pulse of what's hot in Web3. It was so interesting to hear him speak about what he looks for in a startup when deciding whether to invest or not, and also enjoyed getting his take on some of the up-and-coming platforms and companies that have caught his attention in the Web3 universe. Sounds like a lot of great ideas out there, and uh, will be so interesting to see which ones will start to gain some real traction. Special thanks to everyone who makes Crypto on the Beat possible. Sarah Bentley, Roger Coletti, Bill Crandall, Jen Derwin, Emily Doherty, Mike Spinella, and Chris Watherspoon. I'm your host, Danny Valentino. Crypto on the Beat is a Sirius XM production. Sirius XM Podcasts.